This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? This is Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything is a matter of theology. I am Drew, your host. I'm here with Chris, and we're one co-host short because apparently he has to work tonight. This is no bueno because it works better when there's three people rather than two, but we won't hold that against him. We love Judge. Yes, we love Josh. Uh, This is a podcast that approaches church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint, and you would be surprised how many churches don't actually hold to the biblical standpoint. But really, if you've listened to our show for any length of time, you already know that. That's no shock (laughs) because we expose that. Uh, But uh, if you would like to be a partner with us, head on over to uh, patreon.com slash matter of theology and become a subscriber. Also. Uh, we are kind of starting this thing called the Conversation Chronicles. Yeah. And I uploaded the very first one, the Prolegomena. Yeah, man. Dealing with first things. I uploaded that to our Facebook page, and we have a YouTube channel now because someone on our Instagram said, is this going to be on YouTube? And so I Good made- question. That is. Well, to answer the question, yes. Yes. It is going to be on YouTube because it's there. Uh, We now have a YouTube page where uh, you will be able to find that. And uh, I will also upload some of those Ordo Salutis teachings uh, that I've done as well, which I do need to get back to that um, because I've I've only done three and I've got several more to do. Uh, So, but the Conversation Chronicles. Yeah. This is the goal here is to apply the gospel in the conversation of today as far as the the claims of race, racism, critical race right. theory. Right. Because um, this is a conversation that is is very necessary, especially within the church, because you have multiple people of multiple ethnicities that some have had experiences, some have not had certain experiences, uh, they grew up a certain way, uh, but the part of the narrative in the culture is all being conflated into one thing that every person of a certain melanin count has experienced the same thing. 
And that's right. not exactly the case. And so right. what, what the goal for, for these videos is to teach how to actually apply the gospel in these conversations. Cause we, we hear, well, we just need the gospel. We need the gospel. You just have to rely on the gospel, but we don't know what that means. I haven't seen any conversations of that actually taking place. Uh, so we need to actually understand what it means to have a conversation centered upon the gospel as it relates to a person's experiences, uh, in growing up, their perception of things, right. how it relates to the cultural narrative, and how we relate to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of what your ethnicity is. So that's the goal of the Conversation Chronicles. Yeah, and it's uh, just just kind of speaking into that. I, it, it is so crucial uh, to to have speaking, you know, to not to take the the word there, but to have this conversation right now because you have um, you have this poison. Um, that has infiltrated itself into the church um, uh, under the guise of an analytical tool, quote unquote, uh, under the guise of, you know, we need to mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. Um, yet in order to do that, we need to make sure we do so from a place of uh, uh, that, that starts and lands and, and continues to stay in Scripture. Um, so what you have the lie of critical race theory and intersectionality, the, uh, the false narrative, and, and you have those, uh, and I'm, you know, I said it to you in a text, uh, uh, you have those that I would say have drifted so far from the biblical gospel um, that I would even really, really sincerely question whether or not we need to call these people brothers anymore um, in Christ, because all they're doing is, is spreading this poison that finds no warrant in scripture. And so what does it look like? Um, to apply the gospel. Um, and well, and you know, we have to start from the place of what is the gospel and you did an excellent job, excellent job, my friend, of, uh, of, of, of kicking us off there. And, uh, I'm just looking forward to, to, to seeing where that goes, mm -hmm. uh, because it's honest, it's real, it's raw. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, 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 it hits no it does hit, yeah, especially it does hit pretty hard. That, that first video, it hits pretty hard. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, I want to, I want to encourage our listeners that just if you, if you hear something in the videos that you kind of like, ow, what was that? Well, that was my right hook. Um, <laughs> and so, but it, it's just to, it's basically just a, a slap to say, well, are you paying attention now? Uh, and really that the mostly comes in the opening monologues. Um, and the end. Well, in that first video, yes. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the rest of them, the rest of the conversations is is really just to say, you, you know, because we want to be open and honest about these conversations. And sometimes you have to, in a conversation, there's dialogue and you have to be able to give pushback, right, in order to find out if what this person perceives as true mm. is actually true. And, and sometimes there's tension there and you don't want to, you don't want to avoid that tension. You want to confront it head on because then uh, it's going to help this person overcome whatever barriers this is and, and maybe look back and say, you know what, maybe I was, I was harboring some bitterness, you right. know, at this and I haven't actually learned what forgiveness actually looks like. Well, and, and when you're, you're confronting, when you're confronting anyone um, with the truth, 
Mm -hmm. uh, the truth itself, to quote Dr. MacArthur, is offensive. Um, right. Not that we're going into it trying to offend. Uh, from a personal standpoint, we're not trying to get personal and attack and throw barbs. Right. Right. Um, but but the truth is offensive to all of us. Mm -hmm. um, and it should be. And when we're challenged um, with our, our our thought process and, and our presuppositions and uh, when we're challenged with the truth and, and that conflicts with what our emotions are telling us, mm -hmm. there is going to be tension there. But but that's 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 where you need to have courage mm -hmm. and love and, and plant your heels in and stand firm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. So so there is some bite to it. Um, I, th I think some of our listeners would appreciate a little bite. Um, but there is I just, appreciated the bite. but there is also just, if we had to call it anything, I would say it was kind of, or what we're going to be discussing, how we're going to be discussing it is going to be very pastoral and affectionate in how we address people because yeah. it has to be, it, you have to, Absolutely. you have to engage with a person, uh, especially brothers and sisters in Christ that are deep that are struggling with these things because they are image bearers of God. And while, you know, we don't want to, we don't view everything through the lens of someone's experience. We also can't deny someone's experience. Correct. Correct. So we want to approach them on their level, but we also want to, you know, bring the biblical worldview and say, it doesn't matter what your experience is. This is what scripture says. Amen. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That's gonna be good. So, so that's the goal. The goal is to have. Uh, let's see, we've got one video up. I think there's another five that we're going to be working on. Um, that's the goal. Uh, yeah. A total of six videos. Uh, so that is that's going to be the the conversation chronicles applying the gospel uh, to the conversation of of today. Yeah. So pray for us and. Uh... If you want to come alongside of us and, and support us uh, from a financial standpoint, you can do so on Patreon. Uh, you know, we, we, we love, we love doing this kind of stuff. And if you guys uh, that are listening and we appreciate that, um, love, love to see it and love to hear it and want to partner with us, we would welcome that as the Lord leads you. Mm -hmm. That's right. So. so what are we talking about today, man? Man, we are, <clears throat> we're going to be talking about why Christians are hypocrites. What? Yeah, you didn't know that? No, I didn't. You didn't know Christians were hypocrites, bro? That's no, all I that is all I ever hear. I don't <laughs> want to be a Christian because they're such hypocrites. Yeah, I've heard that as well. I, I've heard that from from uh, people that I've worked with who I no longer work with, but are still friends with. Um who uh it's interesting enough, they've uh, you know, the response I get from them, and this is not this is not of my doing, this is completely of the Lord's, is like, you know, you're actually you're 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 the most real christian i've ever met uh and i'm like why is that and you're like well because you don't hide the fact that you that you mess up that you sin uh and i'm like yep oh well that's because i'm a sinner yep. <laughs> so yep. um so in, in doing that um uh well, you know there, there, there oh, is something no, 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 we got to address okay in the life of matter of theology we've come a long way in, in a short, in a short, relatively short time too. Yeah, it's been a year, right? Wow, well, a little, a little over, over a, year. a year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we've come a long way, and we are now mm. a part of the Christian podcast community. Yeah, with uh, Andrew Rappaport. 
Uh, so you can find us on the Christian podcast community. You, uh, you can find us on their webpage. I think we have a webpage too, a part of their webpage. We do. Um, and we will be hosting there as well. So you can find our episodes there. Um, and you should be able to still find us on iTunes and all your other podcast catchers. Yeah. Yeah. We're very thankful to Andrew uh, and his staff and have had some wonderful conversations with them and uh, they have been very encouraging and uh, it's, it's very humbling um, uh, when, when, <laughs> When you just seek to honor the Lord and honor what Scripture says, and then and then you watch watch the Lord work, and uh, so we're we're extremely grateful uh, for all of them at the Christian Podcast Community, and honored to be on that team. So, yeah. yep, yep, very much. But yeah, so back to us being hypocrites. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, in order to to really kind of kind of dive into this conversation, um, let's. I wanted to start out by talking. And answering a question, um, just because we hear the word hypocrite, and um, and and just like a lot of words uh, that we like to use today in 2020, I think a lot of us uh, unfortunately use words and we don't know what they mean. Um, and so to define the word hypocrite, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, turn to a couple of different sources. Uh, first and foremost, uh, to uh, the Prince of Preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Uh, he defined a hypocrite in this way. He said this, quote, A hypocrite may be known by the fact that his speech and his actions are contrary to one another, period, close quote. Uh, the late and uh, great Dr. R.C. Sproul. Papa Sproul. Uh, Papa Sproul. Uh, I don't know why I did that. Uh, he said this, quote, uh, The term hypocrite came from the world of Greek drama. It was used to describe the masks that the players used to dramatize certain roles. And, and when you look at the definition, as far as Webster's Dictionary of, uh, of hypocrisy, um, it, uh, it is defined this way. It's, uh, it, it, it is from the Greek, uh, hypocrisis, uh, which is acting of a theatrical part, uh, playing a part or pretending. Um, and uh, the word hypocrite is defined as someone who does the things he claims uh, or, or does things he claims not to do. Uh, and, and it's an ecclesiastical term from the Greek of the word actor. So, um, so uh, Dr. James, uh, Dr. D. James Kennedy responded to this objection that we hear often, right? Is the church filled with hypocrites? And he said this, quote, well, there's always room for one more. Uh, and he cautioned uh, that, you know, he said, look, if, if you find a perfect church, you shouldn't join it because you would ruin it. Uh, so, uh, so, so as we lead into this, I think for the most part, most of us in the church would, um, would not claim to be sinless, meaning that we no longer sin. There, there are those who profess faith in Christ who uh, claim to do that. For instance, the known heretic and true hypocrite, uh, Todd White, claims that he no longer sins at all. Yeah, yeah. he said, uh, he said, you know, I came to Christ, blah, 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 years ago, <laughs> and I haven't sinned not one time. And he's like, and people will say, that's, that's impossible. You're wrong. I live with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, exactly. and, and Drew is quoting him right there, <laughs> yeah. and, and and even with tone. But to which I say, hey, Todd, First John 1, starting in verse 8, says, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, 
he is faithful and righteous to forgive, forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, capital H, Jesus Christ, a liar, and his word is not in us. What you got, man? Yeah, so... People who would hold to, say, Todd White or Joyce Meyer, because Joyce Meyer is another one that claims sinless perfectionism. Um, I have given this passage of Scripture to people who support that view, and their response to me is, no, this is before conversion. This means everyone before has sinned, and you just confess your sin, because now— once you are in Christ, you have no sin. But th- that's that's not the way this letter is put together. This Who's letter, it written to? it's written to a church. First uh, John, Second John, and Third John are letters from the Apostle John that were written to churches. So when John, I think I think it's in Third John where he says to the elect lady. Yes, yes, yes. He's he's referencing a church. Now, when we look at this verse, if we, who's we, if we, the church, Christians, believers in the body of Christ, if we say we have no sin, that means no sin currently present at any time. If we say that we currently do not have any sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And one of the things about self-deception is it is so deceiving. Mm Mm-hmm. So we have sin of, that resides in us because while we are born again, we have a new nature. There That's is right. a battle that wages with the old nature because, as we will get into later, sanctification is a process. And That's we right. have not yet reached our glorified state. There it is. And so if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. But not only are we deceiving ourselves, the truth is not in us. That means we don't understand the full truth of our nature and the gospel and the relationship between us and a holy God and the true nature and sinfulness of sin. So we as believers, though we are in Christ, we still sin. And what are we to do? Because sin still dwells in us, the apostle tells us, confess our sins. And as a result of us being faithful to confess our sins, he, that is Christ, is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that right there is a further reminder of why proper biblical hermeneutics and interpretation is important. That's right. It's important that we not eisegete passages of Scripture uh, to support um, our own emotional thought uh, or even intellectual thought, but always compare everything with the backdrop of Scripture. Um, So, yeah. Um, So, man, amen and right on. And, And that being said, again, I mean, the majority of us acknowledge that we still sin and that we wrestle with the flesh daily. And remember you know, the definition of a hypocrite, a hypocrite is someone who does things that he claims not to do. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there are those outside and inside the church who see that we still wrestle with the flesh and sin, and then they rush to judgment and and, and the assumption that because we're saved, that, you know, we do not or should not sin. So, 
when we as sinners, when we sin, we demonstrate that we are sinners, which doesn't make us guilty of, of being hypocrites at all. Um, that, that makes us guilty of, 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 of wrestling with the flesh and the process yeah. of sanctification. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I, I'm going to quote, uh, Charles Spurgeon a good bit, uh, tonight and, uh, or whenever you listen to this, um, you know, he says this quote, uh, with a blush, each one of us must confess that to some extent, our life is contradictory to our profession. We blush and we mourn over this, but I hope that there are some here who can say, notwithstanding many infirmities, with my whole heart, I have, stri- I have striven to run in, in the ways of thy commandments. Oh my God, and I have not intentionally spoken that with my lip, which I did not intend to carry out with my life. Ah, I, believe me, my hearers, talk is easy, but walk is hard. Speech any man may attain unto, but act is difficult. We must have grace within to make our life holy. But lip piety, I love that, That's needs no grace. The first mark of a hypocrite then is that he contradicts by his acts what he utters by his words. Do any of you do so? If so, stand convicted of hypocrisy and bow your heads and confess the sin, period, close quote. Uh, Again, to quote Dr. R.C. Sproul, uh, quote, the church is the only institution I know of that requires an admission of being a sinner in order to be a member. The church is filled with sinners because the church is the place where sinners who confess their sins come to find redemption from their sins. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as you were reading that from, from Spurgeon, it, it made me think of those who, who claim sinless perfectionism. If you want to see that all of us still sin, mm-hmm. think about how often and in how many ways we take the Lord's name in vain. Oh, yeah. 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 And not, not, uh, and, and when, when we say that, and Drew, I think I can, I can confidently, you know, uh, read my mind right now. <laughs> read your, yeah. Re- read your mind here. Uh, I, we don't necessarily, uh, mean, um, uh, you know, attributing God's name to a cuss word. Right. Uh, of course that is taking his name in vain as well. Um, but, uh, I, I think you're, you're more so talking about professing na- his name, or doing something in his name that is not found in scripture, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, taking well, I would, his name in that way. And even also adding um, just even how we worship, how we gather together as the body corporately on Sunday to worship God. Because how if you go into the worship service, right, and you have come to the part of worship through song, right? how much of your singing to God is mainly for the entertainment of those around you and how much is actually truly giving an offering of worship of the heart and praise to God. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Where, where is your motivation? What is your motivation? Why do you go to church? Right. Why do you right. sing the songs? Why do you sit and listen to, um, a, a, a preacher or pastor, um, uh, preach. What, mm-hmm. what, what is the goal? 
what is the end goal? Who is the goal? Uh, amen, brother. Mm-hmm. So, amen. I mean, and that just shows how simple it is to find sin in the life of a believer. Mm. Right. I mean, and that's just, that's just one thing that, and it's one thing that people do without realizing it that that's what we would call a sin of omission people don't think that they're that that it's a sin when they come together and they sing and they worship and and they're having a good time and things like that and and is it a sin Eh, we can draw the line but at the same time is it taking god god's name in vain when you're to gather together corporately in order to truly extend worship to god well, then I would say anything other than giving God his due in worship, the glory of his name, any other motivation is sin. Absolutely. Uh, well, and, and what's interesting, you know, when you when you mention that, I, I, I immediately think of a couple different passages of Scripture. Um, I think of uh, Matthew 15, 8 and 9, uh, which, of course, is referencing Isaiah 29. Um but this is Jesus uh, speaking. Um, you know, the 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 uh, Pharisees are basically challenging Christ concerning traditions and and commandments. And um, you know, so starting in, in chapter fifteen, it says, uh, "Then some of the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread.' And he answered to them. He answered and said to them." Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for, uh, for sake of your tradition? It's like, whoa. <laughs> Verse four, uh, for God said, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, uh, whoever says his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is to, uh, verse six, uh, he is to honor, uh, he is, excuse me, he is not to honor his father or his mother. And, and, and that's part of that quote. He's saying he's, he's combating with them and, and, and then continuing the verse. And then by this, you invalidated the word of God for sake of your tradition. Verse seven, you hypocrites. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me teaching his doctrines, the precepts of men. So, you know, and, and you and I have talked about uh, uh, this, uh, what I'm about to say, uh, you know, offline, but this is the importance, um, I think, of making sure that, um, that in worship as, as leaderships, uh, leadership in the church, that you are sticking to the regulative principle of worship, yep. not the normative principle. Right. Um, because if your aim, I think, I think of the movie, The Patriot, right aim small miss small right when mel gibson's telling his kids you you boys remember what i told you about shooting yes sir aim small miss small um great quote (laughs) so um but you think about this if you're striving to stick to what scripture says um your aim small miss small the likelihood of something like this happening does go down now of course you know just like any and all commandments that are given and or laws that are written it's up to the hearer and the person participating to obey. Um, but yeah, you, you don't want to be in the camp where, where Jesus could say about you. And, and we've all been there one, one time or another. And thankfully his grace covers a multitude of sins, but these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to worship. Good call, man. Yep. So, you know, uh, 
this is this is something we all need to remember. Um, and, and I wrote this down just because this was yelling at me as I was just kind of praying through and writing through some of this stuff. Uh, and this is an important distinction to remember uh, in light of this topic. All hypocrisy and hypocrites sin. However, not all sin or sinners have committed the sin of hypocrisy or are hypocrites. Uh, and, and, and of course, you know, one of the clearest examples, and we kind of already started getting into this, that we see in the scriptures of true hypocrites would be that of the Pharisees. I mean, these guys saw themselves as above the rest. They saw themselves as those who were outside of the normal sinfulness of the crowd. While, you know, some of them may have started well, uh, they eventually ended up putting on that mask, that actor mask, and pretended to be better than they actually were. And look at what Christ, Matthew 23, Jesus said, you know, then Jesus spoke to the crowds and, and, and to his disciples, verse two, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds for they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger uh back to you know again spurgeon he and isn't this true of the pharisee check this out quote the true christian like the nightingale sings in the night but the hypocrite has all his songs in the day where he can be seen and heard of men to be well spoken of is the very elixir of his life mm -hmm. if he be praised it is like sweet wine to him, period, close quote. And, and we notice that, right? As, as with most, most hypocrites, we see that they care about the, the outward picture instead of the inward presence that comes with true conversion. Again, Spurgeon said, quote, there are many books which are excellently bound, but there is nothing within them. And there are many persons that have a very one spiritual exterior, but there is nothing whatever in the heart, period, close quote. Mm. Um, the, the Puritan Thomas Brooks, oh man, and check this out. This is like, man, this is just, this will hit you right in the face. Uh, he said this, quote, a hypocrite may be willing to embrace Christ as a priest to save him from wrath from the curse, from hell, from everlasting burning. But he is never sincerely willing to embrace Christ as a prophet to teach and instruct them, as a king to rule and reign over them. Many hypocrites may be willing to receive a Lord Jesus. They may be willing to embrace a saving Christ, but they are not willing to embrace a ruling Christ, a commanding Christ. Luke 19, 27, this man shall not rule over us, period. Close quote. Mm. So, boom. <laughs> Thomas Brooks laying it down. Puritan. Yeah. Just say, there you go. Go read you some Puritans. Read you some Puritans. Um, so, you know, and, and what's interesting about how Christ was with these guys, when you think about it, Christ had more in common with the Pharisees than with other first century Jews. But he did not support or endorse in any way, shape, or form the man-made rules or traditions that the Pharisees would add to God's holy law. And, and speaking about this, John Calvin said, said this concerning Jesus' encouragement. He said, look, quote, 
the uh, the people to obey the scribes only so far as they adhere to the pure and simple exposition of the law. Right? You only follow and obey uh, so far as the person that is supposed to be carrying over you sticks to the pure and simple exposition of the word. So, and as the as, as the legal experts and religious elite of the day, the Pharisees should have been the helping uh, and, and guiding voice to those in their care. However, they were more concerned with the appearance and what they got uh, and were more concerned with their culture and their tribe, sounds familiar, uh, than helping those uh, to, to obey God's law. So, uh, so man, yeah, what, what you got? Uh, I concur. I concur <laughs> with all that. <clears throat> um, yes. you, you know, it is... And I know we've, you, you and I just, we have our opinions about Louis Giglio of late. Um, but one of the, one of the sermons that I heard him uh, give, this was years ago, years ago. And he was, he was talking about hypocrites Yeah. and one, he was talking to an individual and the person said, like we said earlier, uh, you know, <clears throat> you know, there's just, why would I want to be a Christian when there's so many hypocrites? And Louis responded by saying, I'm thankful that God loves hypocrites. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, just stop for a moment and think about, it. think about all the things that you believe in light of everything that we've said so far, yeah. all the things that you believe that you hold to, how often do you do the opposite of what you say you believe? We are all hypocrites in some manner of our, of our lives. It, it, it infects almost every area of our lives. How, if you're a father, it affects how you raise your kids. If you're a husband, it affects how you love your wife. Uh, and vice versa. If you're a mother, it affects how you how you raise your kids. If you're a wife, it affects how you love your husband. If you're a son, it affects how you how you treat your parents, right? Because how often, okay, you're a son. We'll, we'll say a true believer in Christ, right? That knows the commandment, honor your mother and father. Yet, as soon as they leave the room, you're talking behind their back to your friends and things of that nature. You do everything but honor mother and father. Right. And even us as adults, how often have we done that as well? So hypocrisy infects almost every area of our lives and it does so without us even realizing it. Yeah, well, uh, that, brother, that, that, that's a good point. I mean, and one of the things, uh, you know, when, when I'm sorry, I was far away from the mic. One of the things that, uh, that, that kept coming up for me when, when studying this week and praying and is, you know, the question that I kept asking is how do we, you know, how do we, how do we battle against this, right? How do we, um, uh, you know, what, what do we do to, to cure this? Um, and one of the sermons that I read, I mean, I've been quoting a lot from it, uh, was from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's sermon on hypocrisy. Um, and, um, and, and, uh, he gave some, some great, um, you know, the gr great reminders, you know, because there may be some of us, you know, today, right. Where, uh, and it's easy to do. I mean, just to your point, it's easy for us to look at, um, <laughs> It's easy for us to look around and go, man, at least I'm not like that person, 
Yeah. Right. It le- I'm a it, sinner, but I'm no tax collector. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And instead of beating our chest and and <clears throat> excuse me, begging the Lord uh, to have mercy on us, and it reminded me of Romans chapter two. Um, that and, and we talked about it a, a few episodes back, um, you know. But it reminded me of the first uh, the first few verses there, and, and it says, "Therefore, you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, uh, for in that which you judge one another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things, and we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things." But do you suppose this, O oh man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly, this is the key, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds, to those who by perseverance and doing good seek for glory and honor and, and immorality, etern- immortality, excuse me, eternal life. Um, you know, so, so, but I think back to verse four. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance, his long suffering? Mm-hmm. Do we do we constantly remember that? Do we do we focus on and 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 in so many churches, uh, you have the seeker-oriented churches. You know, I think of I can think of a few right now in our area. I won't name them by name, um, but I can't remember the last time that I heard them preach on sin and the nature of sin and the consequences of sin and the wrath of God. You know, do we remember that uh, Romans 5, 12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world uh, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. You know, do we remember that? And, uh, you know, I'm going to read another, another quote uh, by, by Spurgeon. Um, you know, so, so I know I've covered a lot of ground here in the last couple seconds and last few minutes, but do we think lightly of the kindness and the tolerance of God? Do we remember that sin angers God? I'm sorry, Andy Stanley, you're wrong. Sin angers God. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just make him sad. It makes him mad. Um, I think wrath, Andy needs to revisit the first 50 Psalms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, wrath is not stored up because God is sad. Wrath is stored up because God is angry yeah. with the wicked every day. Now, he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. Again, knowing the character and attributes of God is important. Um, so, so we remember that. We remember the wrath of God. Remember the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance, that tolerance, that long-suffering. But we need to remember, too, that nothing escapes God's sight, right? Spurgeon, quote, The all-seeing God, apprehended in the conscience, must be the death of hypocrisy. I cannot try to deceive when I know that God is looking at me. It is impossible for me to play double and false when I believe that I am in the presence of the Most High and that He is reading my thoughts and the secret purposes of my heart. The only way in which the hypocrite can play the hypocrite at all is by forgetting the existence of God. Let us, therefore, recollect it at all. Uh, at all is by forgetting the, ex- oh wait, I'm sorry, I repeated that line. <laughs> Let us therefore recollect it. Wherever I am, upon my bed or in my secret chamber, 
God is there. There is not a secret word I speak in the ear of a friend, but God hears it. Do I seek out the most private part of the city for the commission of sin? God is there. Do I choose the shadow of night to cover my iniquity? He is there looking upon me, period, close quote. Man, we, we have to remember that. We absolutely have to. Um, that God sees all. Nothing escapes his sight. And so, you know, a couple of just points of application. And, and how do we resist being a hypocrite? Well, first and foremost, you pray. You know, I, I, um, I can't remember who said it. I, I quoted it recently, but it was um, when we pray. I think it was Watson. I think it was Thomas Watson. When we pray, we choke out sin. But if, 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 we're con- if sin will choke out prayer or something to that effect, I, I, I'm butchering mm-hmm. it now. But, but you get the concept, I hope, is the more you pray, the less you sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so number one, you pray. Number two, you get in the word. You allow the word. You hide the God's word in your heart, the, the psalmist says. But remember, the word for heart there is not the emotional heart. It's, your, it's the whole man. It starts in the mind. You hide God's word in your heart that you may not sin against him. You, uh, and then two, three, you remember the wrath of God being stored up on those who sin. Um, regardless of whether you've committed murder as the apostle Paul did, or, uh, you've committed hatred in your heart, which guess what? You committed murder according to scripture. Um, and then four, you remember the kindness of the Lord. You don't think lightly of how patient and tolerant he has been with each of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, and, and then you remember five, that he sees all. You cannot hide one single solitary thought or action from the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, what you got? Yeah, so the, uh, <clears throat> man, when you were talking about God seeing all, right? There, there's no place that we can go where we can hide from God. Right. Right. Wherever we go, he's there. Uh so much so that we can't even hide our thoughts from God. Right. We can't hide our thoughts. Yeah. We can't hide our true intentions, our motives, anything of that. Because God's God doesn't just see our actions. He sees our interior motives that lead to the actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sees through the whole man. Now, playing the hypocrite, because as, you've, as you said earlier in the definition, a hypocrite comes from the Greek uh, theater, where you would put on the mask right. and you would change masks regarding of the character that you're playing at the time. Right. The, the hypocrite or the character that the mask portrays is only for the benefit of the crowd. Hmm. And what we see, I'm afraid, in the church is we do see a lot of people that put on that mask in order to portray to the crowd that there's something that God's word says that they're not. Now I can't I can't see into their heart. I can only I can only say that in light of what God's word says that this is how it appears, but uh, ultimately only God can make that judgment. I can't make that judgment, but we see what looks to be a mask 
for the benefit of the audience, while God's word says something different. And we need to examine ourselves first and foremost to make sure that the things we do are not just a mask for the benefit of the crowd or those who might uh, be in our, our social circles or family or whatever. Because whether or not we're, we're putting on a mask for the crowd, there's always one who knows the truth, and he's the one that you cannot escape. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and that goes, um, that, that, that brings up a couple, a couple different things that, uh, you know, that I was thinking about and I'm trying to find it now. Uh, but, but Spurgeon spoke to that. And, and by the way, if, if you guys want to read this uh, sermon, it's, um, uh, it's entitled hypocrisy. Uh, and the passage of scripture was Luke, uh, uh, Luke 12, one, um, and, uh, and, and so, uh, but it was from February 6th of 1859. Uh, but it was, I'm flipping through that right now. Um, but one of the things that he talked about in there was, um, you know, the, the fact that, that it's not our job as believers to look into the eyes of someone and try to figure out if they're, if they're being hypocritical, um, and, and, and he, he says himself in there, he's, I, I failed at this. Um, I, I have not done this. Um, and, um, uh, you know, but, but, but he, he specifically talked about examining yourself and you need to be careful and, and, uh, look at your own self first and foremost. And, uh, and then gave some, some great advice as far as prayer and stuff as well. But, you know, it, it starts with self-examining before the Lord, because remember, nothing is hidden from God. But then, you know, honestly, man, uh, just, just being transparent, and I know you and I talked about this, and, um, you know, there were some things that, uh, you know, that I've walked through and in uh, my, my life, and um, that, you know, I, I feel like had I, had I not put a mask on, and, and, and it wasn't a mask trying to de- purposely deceive, but it was trying to cover. Uh, it, it was more like a like a face covering, <laughs> of, uh, of 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 trying to cover that I needed help. Um, it was makeup trying to cover a blemish. There you go. There, see, see, man, you're so good. <laughs> you had a uh, pimple, I, and you were like, I, I know, cover that thing up. <laughs> I got to cover that zit, man. Um, you know, but but instead of instead of you know going to uh, to those around me who uh, who could help. Um, you know, shoulder and carry, uh, carry that burden as, as Galatians six says, uh, um, you know, it, 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 if you put on that mask or that, that makeup, um, you know, that, that blemish will only get bigger and continue to fester until it explodes. Sorry for the, the visual there, but, uh, <laughs> uh it can, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of bad. Uh, but look, you have a responsibility as a believer to be open, uh, and to be honest and to not wear masks or makeup, especially uh, to those in Christ, you know, because I, I think back to Acts 2 and um, and I, I'm going to flip there right now, um, you know, but uh, I think back to what we see the early church and how they were um, with one another. And, and everybody's going to know this section. 
Um, but Acts 2 there at the end, um, when it says uh, in verse 44, uh, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. You know, it says in there, verse 45, that anyone, you know, selling possessions and helping anyone in need. Um, you know, when you do life with someone, you, you see the ins and the outs. You see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and we have to remember that we all struggle and wrestle with sin, all of us. We're all sheep um, needing a shepherd. So um, I say all that very long-windedly to say, um, believer, don't put a mask on in your church. Um, if th those closest to you, open up. You know, reach out to them. Say, I, I, I need help. I, there's nothing weak about that. That shows strength to admit that you need help. That shows strength and humility. Um, and, and ultimately, it's exactly what we're supposed to do as the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So that That's made right. me think about that when you said that is don't, don't, don't wear a mask around those who love you. you they're, I mean, they're your family. They're, I mean, they're, they're supposed to. Um, so, yeah. Yep. All right. So, so we've talked about what a hypocrite is, yeah. how we're all, <clears throat> we all engage in a form of hypocrisy in many areas of our life, even without, without realizing it. But when we get to the question, is the Christian a, a true hypocrite? We have to look at really our position and our standing before God and then the working of the spirit through us. Um, so, so moving into that, the position of a Christian, we have come from being dead in our trespasses and sin. We have been effectually called. We've been regenerated. We've been awakened. We have come to faith and repentance of our sin, faith in Christ. Now we move into what's called justification and justification is a legal term. Yeah. And it's important to, to make a distinction between justification and righteousness because justification and righteousness come from the same Greek root words. They're in the mm -hmm. same family of terms, but they're not the same. So justification is something that is done for us and righteousness is something that comes by way of justification. So uh, justification is where God declares a sinner to be innocent of his or her sin. And this work of God is where the righteousness of Jesus is then imputed to the sinner so that the sinner is declared by God to be righteous under the law. So this is also important to know. Justification doesn't just cancel out sin and bring us to zero, right? Where we had negative debt in sin, we're in the red. It doesn't just cancel out that debt and bring us to zero. This righteousness is important because we must have a positive bank account. We must have positive righteousness credited to us. And this is a, a alien righteousness, as Martin Luther would say. That's right. Um, and it is imputed, meaning it is credited to us. So now 
on the basis of Christ's righteousness that is now credited to us, we are looked at just as if we had always obeyed God's law. Yeah, yeah. A couple of scripture references for that. Uh, 1 Corinthians one thirty says, uh, uh, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and the and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He is made to us righteousness. And Drew, you're absolutely right, man. It is only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, received by faith alone. And uh, Thomas Watson said that uh, justification is the very hinge and pillar of Christianity. Of course, we all know that Martin Luther said it's the doctrine on which the church rises or falls. So That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So even though we sin, our sin is not viewed by way of hypocrisy. Our sin is viewed by still that warring of nature that takes place within us. The the nature that is the new nature, the new man, the new creation that we are, and the old nature that we are continually seeking to put to death. That's right. So like I've said before, just because we have a new nature doesn't mean the old one isn't still present. We're waging war against it. So we're not, the sins that we commit are not viewed as hypocrisy. They're viewed as still the, the old man, the old nature still residing in us that we're putting to death daily. Right. Right. And is this where you wanted to get into Romans seven? I mean, we can, or did you want to we wait? Can, we can get, get into that. And when we talk about sanctification, I mean, we, I mean, we can get into it now. It kind of, I mean, it leads into it, but I mean, yeah, yeah. in Romans seven, you know, the apostle Paul, uh, verse 15, I mean, this is, this is the conflict of the two natures within, within himself. And he, he says for what I am doing, I do not understand for I am not practicing what I would like to do. So he, there's something he knows that he is supposed to do but yet he continually practices and does the opposite. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love, I love what he said, you know, he keeps going there, but, but I am doing the very thing I hate, but then verse 16 is, I love this, but if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law confessing that the law is good. What is the purpose of the law to incite sin? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but and and he said, you know, and again, as as continued, uh, yeah, de- yeah, keep going, keep going, yeah, yeah. Verse, verse 17. seventeen. So yeah, so now, uh, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that no- I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Mm-hmm. Now, would we say the Apostle Paul, the one who we would say, I mean, the, the, the guy wrote the majority of the New Testament. Right. I mean, Paul, he experienced the beatings and the lashings that Christ experienced times three. Yeah. Okay, shipwrecked multiple times. Yeah. Would we say that the Apostle Paul is a hypocrite? No. I would dare not say that. 
No, uh, no, not at all. I mean, because he he very clearly because remember remember the definition of a hypocrite. It's it's right. uh, you know I, I, Spurgeon, a hypocrite may be known for the fact that his speech and his actions are contrary to one another. I mean, Paul is clear uh, there in Romans seven. Let me flip back over to it, and then I want to go over to Philippians. See, I would uh, while you're while you're looking at that, I would yeah. I would interject in there, and I would say. A hypocrite is the person who intentionally deceives someone into portraying himself to be something that he is not. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, so so Paul there further in Romans seven, uh, you know, I, he you know going down to to verse twenty two. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then on, uh, on the one hand, I myself with the mind am serving the law of God, but with the other, with my flesh, the law of sin, Paul's not claiming to be sinless. Quite the opposite. Paul is saying wretched man that I am. Um, you know, now if Paul were like, Hey, like Todd White and Joyce Meyer, and those who who say that they have reached that that level of perfection, um, you know, they're I I think they would probably call the apostle Paul a hypocrite, um, but that's it's quite the opposite. Um, Paul is saying, "Wretched man that I am," and and I've said this before. If Paul have said, you know, if Paul can say, "Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect," in Romans or uh, Philippians three twelve, but I press on, so that I may lay hold of that which uh, was also laid hold of. Uh, by Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So no, no, definitely not. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so we see that the apostle Paul recognizes that within himself, there is something that leads him to do the very things that he actually hates. And he identifies that as sin. It's that which lives in his flesh. That is the the two natures that are conflicting, the flesh and the spirit that dwells within him. Now, and he's repenting and he's repenting. Notice that he's repenting. And now the Pharisees didn't, right? Right. The Pharisees didn't and hypocrites won't. Um, And and something to remember about justification is, uh, you know, to quote Thomas Watson again, he said, he said, quote, the scripture confines justification to those who believe and repent. Right. You know, when he quotes Acts three nineteen, repent that your sins may be blotted out. Um, so, so it's not, you know, remember even the demons believe, but they don't repent, right? You look at the Pharisees. The Pharisees started out believing, but look at Nicodemus. Nicodemus didn't think he had anything to repent of, and Jesus said quite the opposite. So, yeah, sorry, man, didn't, re- didn't mean to interrupt. I just that thought came up. Yeah, no, no, no. That's uh, that's good. So, uh, I mean, he is repenting. This is a confession. Right. This is this is a confession. Uh, he points it out. He says this, and really, he's pointing it out in him to say to, to to really say to the Romans that this is going to be present in you too, and you must wage war with it. But what we see, you can only do this. You only recognize this by the power of sanctification. Sanctification is what we would call the progression or the growing in holiness. And once you're, you continue to grow in holiness, 
being continually made into the image of God, you now are able to look back and recognize the, the sin that's in your life more easily and call it out. Absolutely. Um, and that's the point of sanctification. Um, I, I think of, uh, you know, the very next chapter in Romans, Romans 8, uh, 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to what to be conformed into the image mm -hmm. of his son so that he would be, uh, the firstborn among many brethren. Um, you know, sanctification, um, is like you said, we're, we're set apart for God's service. We're set apart for holiness, um, to be made after God's own heart. And, uh, you know, we're just, when we're justified, we bear his name. Mm -hmm. Uh, but by sanctification, it's, it's where we start to bear his image. Right. Uh, and that's, and I'm, I'm, uh, that's also Thomas. I'm not exactly, uh, quoting Thomas Watson, but that's where that thought comes from. That's not, mm -hmm. I'm not that smart. Uh, so, um, but that, that's, that's the, the point of sanctification is to be conformed more and more into his image and to be set apart as holy for his service. Right. That's right. Yeah. So we, we move from justification into sanctification. And sanctification is one of those things you're continually doing. It's never complete until you've reached glorification, which by that time you're in heaven. Okay. Right. You're, be you're before the presence of God. Yeah. But in sanctification, this is also where we kind of, or we obtain wisdom. And this is important in the life of a Christian because as you're ministering to people, I have had conversations where I have given people counsel and I've said, I don't think you should do this. This isn't smart. This, this isn't how a Christian, someone who takes the name of Christ should approach these things should even be um, given this thought uh, I mean, very clear, sinful acts only to be uh, responded to with, well, didn't you do this at one time? So then it's okay for me, right? Trying to point myself as a hypocrite. I, this happens a lot with teenagers, mm -hmm. teenagers who want to engage in, in a, a number of sins and their goal in that point is, is not to say, well, this is sin. I shouldn't do it. It's to find justification for doing this sin. They want an out so that they can commit this sin as well. Right. Well, and, and that's where we have to remember a couple of things about sanctification. Um, and, and I would say this, it's, um, it, it's, it's always growing. It's always moving. Um, and, uh, and, and here I am going to quote Thomas Watson because, uh, man, uh, he is, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to go on record. Thomas Watson is my favorite Puritan. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go on record right now. Uh, and, and Jonathan Edwards is up there too, but I'm going to start with Watson. Some, some say Edwards isn't a Puritan. Some say, I say he he's is. a Puritan. I mean, he, I think he's <laughs> what, maybe two generations or a generation after maybe. Two right. Yes, yes, yes. So, but he said this concerning sanctification, and this is this is what I would say, um, you know, to, and, and I've also heard this, um, 
you know, sanctification is growing. He said, Watson said this quote, justification does not ad admit of degrees. A believer cannot be more elected or justified than he is, but he may be more sanctified than he is. Sanctification is still increasing like the morning sun, which grows brighter to full meridian. Mol knowledge is set to increase and, mm -hmm. and faith to increase. Right. A Christian is continually adding a cubit to his spiritual stature. It is not with us as it was with Christ, who received the Spirit without measure. For Christ could not be more holy than he was. We have the Spirit only in measure and still, or maybe still augmenting our grace. Um, you know, and, and, and that, that, that's close quote. That, that, that's a wonderfully said. I mean, knowledge increases, uh, faith increases, sanctification is increasing. Um, and, 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 and we don't just start out by, by doing Colossians 1.10, right? So uh, Colossians 1.10 says, so that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all aspects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Um, you know, th that is a process. So mm -hmm. while the answer to that question is, yeah, I did. And I shouldn't have, right. Um, I absolutely did that. And I should not have, um, you know, uh, and, and the reason that that happens is because sanctification is a process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the real problem is once you've explained that to a 16 year old, they still don't get it. <laughs> Or, or do they, or they don't want to get it? <laughs> well, or, or do they try to say, well, I mean, do they try to basically talk about licentiousness or antinomianism and say, well, if God forgave you, he can forgive me, you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Well, yeah that, that's <laughs> often what it, what it ends up coming back to is uh, cheapening the grace of God. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah. And, and we, 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 we don't want to do that. Um, and, and that's, you know, um that watson also talked about that when talking about justification he talked about the are are we justified from eternity we're justified for eternity but not mm -hmm. from eternity right. even though we are elected and we're elected before the foundation of the world mm -hmm. um, that'll hurt your brain <laughs> <laughs> man so so we've talked about what a hypocrite is is the Christian a hypocrite? I think we've answered that pretty pretty plainly. I think we can we can we can firmly say no. The Christian is not a hypocrite, as as we've defined it, because a hypocrite is one who intentionally seeks to deceive and portray himself as something he's not. Now, is the church filled with hypocrites? I wouldn't say filled with hypocrites. I would say there are hypocrites that do reside in the church. Would you say that there are different types of hypocrites? Would you say that you can now? Let me say this. That's too. a good hip, question. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hip so as hip, in hip, hip, like hip with the times. No, I'm a I'm hip. I'm hip nope. with the with the crits. Whatever a crit is. Critters. Oh wow, folks. Oh wow. <laughs> He's it's it's turning left quickly. Uh, no, I meant I, I meant like look, you can hypocrisy is not the unpardonable sin, right? Um, and again, we all have moments, right. Where we wrestle, uh, that we, we wrestle with this. Um, and you know, what, what do we, what do we do, uh, when that happens? Go ahead, man. What you got? Yeah. So I I've heard a couple of stories like this, and I think these are some of the most profound stories. I think these are some of the ones that really cut to the heart is when someone who, who has who becomes saved, they're saved by God, 
and they come to make that profession of faith and they admit that they did this, you know, when they were 12, 15, something, and they're, they're, they're brutally honest and they say, you know what? It wasn't real. It wasn't real. I was lying the whole time. Yeah. I think that is some, that is the work of the spirit in a person that says I was lying over here. I was pretending to be something I'm not, but mm. God has saved me. And now he has trans, he not, not by some, some work or mask that I put right. on, but right. he, the spirit has transformed me into something new. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Right on, man. Um, I agree. So, I mean, see, seek not to be a hypocrite. So it looks like you've got something from Valley of Vision. Yeah. Why am I not surprised? (laughs) More Puritans, man. That's okay. I love the Puritans and I love Valley of Vision. Yeah, man. And and this was, uh, you know, this is a a prayer that I constantly turn back to. Um, And I think, you know, one of the ways that we, we, I mean, we talked about, you know, how can we, how can we avoid that? What's the cure for that? And, and, you know, gave you guys the, the, the reasons for that and, and, and what that cure is. But, um, this is a prayer that I constantly turn back to, um, uh, just because it, it, it sets the tone. And, and I think that especially in today's world and a world of entitlement and a world of, uh, standpoint epistemology and a world of, uh, you know, masks, a lot of masks, uh, that, that people wear that. And, and again, let's be honest that there've been times that we wear and not uh, just because of COVID-19. Yeah. Not just because of COVID-19 that makes you not be able to breathe and the masks really don't do anything anyway. But anyway, that's not <laughs> what we're going to. <laughs> I can't breathe to take your mask off. <laughs> no, we probably shouldn't say I can't breathe right now. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, too soon. Um, so, but this is, uh, this is entitled yet I send. And, um, mm. uh, I have this, uh, you guys can't see it, but it's, it's marked up, uh, big time. The, the, uh, the first three in, in penitence and depreciation chapter three, the first three, uh, prayers I, I have underlined and written in and, um, and, uh, multiple times, but this one's entitled yet I sin. I, I kind of thought maybe this is a good place to, uh, to end with. So if you have a copy of Valley of Vision, I've, I've pontificated long enough. Now, hopefully you've grabbed it and have opened up to page 124. Um, but it says this, uh, quote, Eternal Father, thou art good beyond all thought, but I am vile, wretched, miserable, blind. My lips are ready to confess, but my heart is slow to feel and my ways reluctant to amend. I bring my soul to thee. Break it, wound it, bend it, mold it. Unmask me, unmask to me sin's deformity that I may hate it, abhor it, flee from it. My faculties have been a weapon of revolt against thee. As a rebel, I have misused my strength and served the foul adversary, uh, excuse me, the foul adversary of thy kingdom. Give me grace to bewail my incident folly. Grant to me that the way of the transgressors is hard, that evil paths are wretched paths that to depart from thee is to lose all good. 
I have seen the purity and the beauty of thy perfect law, the happiness of those whose heart it reigns, the calm dignity of the dignity of the walk to which it calls. Yet I daily violate and contempt its pre, its precepts. Thy loving spirit strives within me, brings me scripture warnings, speaks in startling providences, allures by secret whispers. Yet I choose devices and desires to my own hurt, impi impiously resent, grieve, and provoke him to abandon me. All these sins I mourn, lament, and for them cry pardon. Work in me more profound and abiding, abiding repentance. Give me the fullness of a godly grief that trembles and fears, yet ever trusts and loves, which is ever powerful and ever confident. Grant that through the tears of repentance, I may see more clearly the brightness and glories of the saving cross. Mm. Amen. Period. Close quote. You know... <clears throat> That is the prayer of a righteous man. And righteousness and hypocrisy cannot coexist together. So if you are having doubts about... Uh, I'll say your salvation, your, your standing with God, you, maybe your justification or your growing in sanctification. Uh, I would encourage you to uh, dig into God's word. Uh, examine yourself in light of the scriptures. Because the thing about justification, being justified before God, is that there is an assurance that comes with it. Because Christ said that he will lose none that the Father has given him. But don't forget that though we are in Christ, we have two warring natures. Mm. It is the flesh that we are seeking to put to death waging war and trying to overcome the spirit that now resides within us. Mm. And the flesh wants to overcome, but when you are in Christ, when you are seeking Christ, when you are growing in Christ, when you are clinging to God's word, you will seek to put to death that old man and that flesh will have no power. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, can you can you join in with the Apostle Paul and say, "Wretched man that I am." That's right. You know, I I I don't I don't want to do this. I I I don't. I do what I I do what I hate. It's evil. It's it's my flesh. Um, you know, I, I think back to Christ's words in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five. You know, this this incredible sermon where he, he is is. Uh, reminding people, um, he says, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Uh, and often we pull that scripture out of context and, and use that to, to, you know, talk about grief, even though we are 
comforted when we mourn, but this is specifically talking about mourning over our sin. It is the the strongest word in the Greek for mourning or lamenting. And Jesus uses it here in how we are to treat our own sin. We are to mourn it, to lament over it, to hate it, to uh, repent of it, to learn from the consequences of that sin, and to to move on, to move forward in righteousness, thirsting and hungering for righteousness. And Jesus just says in two verses later, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied." Um, you know, so who may ascend the, 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 the hill of the Lord, those with clean hands and a pure heart, the psalmist says, um, you know, so absolutely, man, it's, we need to be broken over our sin. We need to be constantly repenting. Now that doesn't mean that we are trying to go, you know, how have I sinned today and trying to uncover things that the Holy spirit doesn't convict of, because then you end up running down this rabbit trail, of uh of trying to appease the lord by works and we have to remember that we cannot do that um you know we we are we just as watson said a man cannot be any more justified or elected than he is uh but to grow in sanctification there needs to be that lament and that mourning and that hatred of uh, of your sin yeah yeah and uh i would encourage everyone just uh I mentioned, and I quoted from this book a little bit last time on our episode of grief, but Andrew Benar, uh, diary and life. Uh, and it'll, there, there are some parts where it'll make you laugh, but you see the process that he went through, uh, in even becoming a Christian, because there are moments where he's in Bible college and he'll go, I think I became saved today. And then the next, the next day he'll go, no, I wasn't saved today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Save that day. I was wrong, you know, but then he makes the plea to God, God, do a work in me. God, change me. God, draw me to yourself. Right. Uh, you know, forgive me of my sins. Um, so there's some parts of it that'll make you kind of laugh, but there's some parts where you really feel the anguish over sin and the desire to know God more. Um, so again, I would recommend this book to you, uh, Andrew Benar, Diary in Life. Yeah, right on. Right on. I, I will leave us with, uh, with a quote again by Thomas Brooks. Quote, a hypocrite is all for saving Christ, for a sin-pardoning Christ, for a soul-glorifying Christ, but in regards not a ruling Christ, a reigning Christ, a commanding Christ, a sanctifying Christ. And this at last will prove his damning sin. Man, it's Here almost like he doesn't want, the hypocrite doesn't want Christ to be Lord. Again, there's a lot of parallels I could draw to that today. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should get out of here instead. We should go. <laughs> Thank All right. You guys. See you later. See ya.